Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me today on this very exciting day. The show is featuring a longtime friend of mine and a returning guest, and his name is David Blue. Welcome back to the show, David. Hey, Marcia. Great to be back. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. For those of you that might have missed uh, the show that David was on actually just a few months ago, just so that you know, David is the creator of Art of Self-Regulation, and our show today is about what David has been focusing on during these COVID-19 living experiences. And David, I thought before we would get started, I know people may have listened to our shows before, but we may have some people listening for the first time. So I thought you could just tell um, our audience just a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, and first of all, I love the, um, the intro where it says, uh, passions of guests through conversations with you, Marcia. And certainly, um, for me, being on your show and, and having an opportunity to share my passion, uh, which, is, which is health and wellness, is fantastic. Um, and I guess part of my story, that, that's, where it's be, that's what it's become. But where it came from was um, I grew up in Los Angeles. I was a, a, a basketball player growing up playing street ball. And then through high school, um, I became a great high school basketball player, went on to play at the University of Southern California, had a great basketball career. Um, there getting into March Madness, um, and then uh, became a professional basketball player. Uh, I played a total of 11 years overseas. I played seven of them in Israel, um, three in Italy, and one in France, um, and really had a wonderful time traveling the world, experiencing different cultures, uh, and learning a lot about um, myself through the process. Uh, I retired after a very successful professional career, uh, what, six years ago, and worked in different industries um, and really settled on what is my passion, which is teaching people um, it, it, how to heal themselves by using different modalities such as meditation, um, nutrition, physical fitness, uh, and mindfulness, to, to name a few. So my story is, in essence, a basketball player who had one identity as an athlete or a gladiator and sort of evolving from that into more of a spiritual person that is um, who has a great deal of passion for health and wellness for myself and my children and, and the people that I care about. You know, David, for people that know me personally, but also for people that follow me, whether they're on my social media or, frankly, my, my guests, there isn't a time where I don't mention you. Because because of you and because of this passion that you just described, you really are the reason why I decided to look into yoga well over a year ago. It was a year this past April. And by 
taking a closer examination of myself from actually calming myself down by breathing and some of the things that you're going to be talking about today, I have been impacted by that passion that you have because you are a great teacher and you are a self-motivating person that shares what you feel about as a life coach and as a teacher that so many people, especially now, can benefit from. So my thank you is to you for not only being my friend, but but for having an impact on my life. And we were when we were together back in April, because actually, Dave, I think this is probably, I don't know, this might be my our fourth show together. The first time you were with me, we were in the L.A. Talk Live studios. Mm-hmm. That was way back in, what, 2015 <laughs> or 16. It was a long 15, time ago. Yeah. Yes, yes, it was. It was a long time ago. And I'm, and people that also know me know that I am a huge basketball fan, so that's just another side. But what I was wondering is, since we were together back in April, how have you been feeling over these last few months since we were last together? Um, you know, thanks for asking, Marcia. It's It's been, I think for a lot of people, it's been challenging the, the unknown. And I think early on, um, that was that was really the case uh, with me as far as um, unknowns go. Um, however, quickly I I, I kind of recognized that, um, and and just through doing research and and, and examining different uh, myself, that uh, uncertainty, um, the fear of uncertainty, is really the fundamental fear of uh, of humans, and so I. Early on in the pandemic, I kind of recognized that and decided to um, not 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 allow myself to to fall into the fear of uncertainty, and really accept the things that I can control. So focusing on the things that I can control. So early on, I, I was kind of wondering what you know what's going to happen, you know what's going to happen with my kids, with my job, all these different things. Um, and as I as more news came out about the pandemic, you know, I recognized that perhaps this would take a little bit longer to solve. So my my thoughts and feelings were to just focus on on reality and focusing on the things that I can control. So with that, I, I really took time and um, meditated quite a bit and thought deeply about some of the things that I could control. Uh, and, and we'll talk about some of those things today. Um, and some of those things include uh, routines, daily routines, self-care, nutrition, and, and, and different ways of taking care of myself. And so as I started to sort of get deeper into those practices, um, I found that that really helped me in, in lifting my spirits during these times at home and just kind of really valuing the quiet time and the time that I can use to sort of develop more healthy routines. And so going through those the evolutions over the last few months, it's really helped me feel just very um, healthy and happy and, and thankful, really. That's, it's great, and I know that I have, um, I've understood that about you as well. So we're going to talk about some lessons today, David, and I thought we could just, you mentioned a couple right now. When, I, when we talk about some of the lessons that, 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 that you've learned during this global pandemic, you mentioned accepting reality, um, and that this is a time for all of us to evolve. As you're evolving, I feel like I'm also evolving. 
and you mentioned also something about focusing on what you can control. Boy, if that isn't something control freaks yeah. um, to relate to, and, and many of us are, I would say that I am certainly fall into that category of what can I control, what can't I control, and I think it's tremendous that that's something that you've learned. What are some of the other lessons that you could share with us um, that you've learned during these um, global pandemic times? Yeah, I, you know, I think that I, I always, I, because I was a uh, was a basketball player and I grew up my whole life, I always sort of equate things to basketball. So things that you can control in basketball would be your preparation, your energy level, your focus, um, your body language. Um, things that you cannot control are like your playing time on the court or whether or not a guy passes it to you when you're open. And the, the things that you cannot control can allow you to live with uncertainty on the court, and then you may not play as well. So in life, some of the things that I learned and, and ways that I could um, sort of control aspects of my life were being proactive with my, with my health. Um, being proactive with my understanding of what COVID-19 is. Uh, I, I watch the news. I watch a lot of news. I read a lot of news, and I see a lot of the news articles and all the different opinions and scientific um, research that's been done. Uh, and from there, I try and take it a step further. As an athlete, when you're injured, you try and learn about your injury you try and learn how to heal the injury, and then you try and learn how to prevent the injury from coming back. So with this pandemic and COVID-19 specifically, um, through reading about it uh, and learning more about um, what it is, how you can, um, let's say, heal from it, and then how you can prevent it in the future, those are some of the things that I really focused on. So um, specific foods, specific um, essential oils, um, or herbs and different things that um, can help help with the body. And then, of course, I've also learned quite a bit about politics um, and racism. Those are really, and economics. Those are three really um, polarizing subjects that are all over the news cycle. So researching and learning about those three, definitely learning about health and wellness and how I can be proactive with um, with my own sort of self-care and own um, sense of calm and ease in the, during this time. Yep. Any other tips you might want to share with us that you've learned during this time? Um, you know, th for me, using my time wisely. Uh, and so that would be considering hobbies. So I have developed new hobbies um, and new habits. Um, hobbies and habits and routine kind of all go together. Uh, and we can talk a little bit more about that, but um, take it, you know, you used the word earlier, examining. So taking the time to examine myself, what it is that I need. Um, these are things that you can do a little bit easier when you're home. And, and most of us are home more often these days. So we're not out and about. So the, the commute time and the getting ready time is, you know, we don't have to use it as much. So I've, I've really tried to learn how to use my additional time for deeper self-care. Interesting. Did you, did, have you started any new hobbies? So probably the, 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 the new hobby uh, that I've started uh, most recently is, um, 
is herbology. So uh, understanding how plants um, can be used as medicine. Um, you know, we uh, vaccines and different treatments are, are, are based on, on ancient scientific medicine um, that included using plants and different herbs. And so um, that's an additional, that's like adding something to your game. In basketball, every summer in the off season, you go home and you work out and you try and add a little little bit something new to your game you try and add some ball handling or some defensive skills or some shooting so I, i'm using this time to try and add things to my game let's say my self-care self-care repertoire so um, i've gotten more into um, learning about the effects of certain herbs and plants and and even going so far as to learn how to make my own um, tinctures and teas and things like that so that's a hobby um, that I hope to create into a habit and I'm using my daily routines to kind of uh, enforce that habit, you know, which is based on a hobby of my love of nature and plants. That's terrific. So let me ask you this. You mentioned that, you know, you're proactive um, with your health and we're going to be certainly talking about that. But I am curious, how have these stay-at-home orders and the need for social distancing mm. impacted your coaching business? Yeah. Well, you know, fortunately for me, um, the students that I have and that I, sh- that I share this knowledge with, they're, they're also seekers. They're, they're self-motivated to care for themselves, and they, they want to learn. And so, you know, by sharing information with them, they understand that it's up to them to practice. So most of what I teach, the benefits is going to be experiential benefits that are going to be done through practice. So sharing the knowledge has been relatively easy. Um, most of what I teach is in a PowerPoint. I've created a PowerPoint presentation that's very colorful, that shares a lot of knowledge and a lot of information. I can do this over Zoom. So I can do a screen share over Zoom um, and share the information while talking. I can do, uh, I have webcams, so if I need to demonstrate specific um, Tai Chi movements or Qigong movements or breathing exercises, I can demonstrate um, and, of course, staying in touch with my um, students through, uh, and clients through phone calls and text messages. Um, that, that, that's really it. I think we've all sort of adapted to that lifestyle. And, and, you know, distance learning, you know, the kids are doing it. We're all doing it. So I think that, fortunately, the, the information – now, it's not the same energy exchange that might happen if it's in person, but the most important thing is that – um, the students get the information in a very efficient manner so that they can go off and practice on their own and develop their own habits and routines. Now, that makes a lot of sense. You know, you've, you've mentioned the word routine, and I've certainly been telling people that one of the things we're going to be talking about today is routines. Most of us have changed our daily routines. You can talk to some people that says, you know, I don't get out of my pajamas all day. Who's going to see me? Or, you know, uh, I used to, you know, go to Starbucks and meet my friends there. Or, you know, I used to hang out with my grandchildren. There's all kinds of routines. I mean, I know myself. There are a lot of routines that have been changed for us. What I'd like to know from you, David, is what does routine, what does the word routine mean to you? 
Well, as I said earlier, routine is, I think that routine can reinforce habits. I think habits and routine kind of go together. And really, I think if you, if you think deeply about the word, there's, there's goals for routine, but then there's also intentions. And um, I think that for, for most routines, the, the important question is what is the intention behind the routine? Um, is the routine just to kind of get you, get you through a certain period or is there an underlying um, effect? So is, is your routine because you only have a certain amount of time or is it because, um, you know, you want, there's something you're trying to achieve in that amount of time. So I think it's really, um, it's something that is, you, you've set for yourself in order to create a certain habit but at the same time, it's important to recognize that um, routines can change, but the habit is part of the intention. So the habit, the habit is the intention. So, for instance, um, waking up in the morning and, and stretching at any time of the morning, um, that may not fit into a routine because the day may change, but the intention is to get that stretching done in the morning. So setting up a routine for yourself just makes it a little bit easier and sort of automatic and you kind of have a little bit more certainty as to what's going on. The other, the other aspect of routines that I like to share with people is that um, routines are meant to change in some ways, and, and meaning that you have a routine, but not every day is the same. Not every morning is the same. Um, if you, if you have, um, a spouse or a significant other, or you have children, maybe you get woken up in the middle of the night. So your morning routine may change because you don't have the same level of energy because of a lack of sleep or, or something. So understanding that routines can change the, the act of the routine at a certain time can change, but the intention is the most important thing. So I think those are, those are really important is that understanding that the intention behind the routine is in some ways more important than the actual timing of the routine. Well, how and you mentioned um, intentions, but you also mentioned goals at that same time. Do you want to just tell us your definition between what an intention is versus a goal? Sure. So really an intention, a goal is, is, is a state of, of doing something so it gets done. Whereas the intention is really just a state of being, of, of actually um, being in, 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 the, in, the, in the event. So, for instance, a goal might be I want to lose 30 pounds in two months. But the intention behind the goal can either be an egotistical one, which is I want to lose 30 pounds in two months so that I can look pretty or handsome for when the summertime comes. Or the intention can be a one that is, is – you know, kind of for yourself, which is I want to lose 30 pounds in 60 days because I want to feel healthier. I want to, I want to lower my chances of getting an underlying cause or, you know, um, I just want to have more energy. So the intention is why you're doing this goal and the goal is what you're trying to do by a certain time period. So as far as routines would go, it would be, um, and, and my routine for, for, for instance is, uh, part of it is is um, meditating in the morning. So the goal is to is to find time at some point in the early morning hours to meditate, whether that's before a shower, after a shower, before tea, after tea, 
the intention of my goal is because I know that meditating in the morning helps me sort of set my intentions for the day, um, get myself energized and really, you know, focused on, on, on having a full day. So that's the kind of difference between intentions and goals. That's 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 terrific. You know, you know, we're we're talking about routines. So, and you mentioned something about the meditating in the morning. What are some of the morning routines that you suggest to your clients? So, you know, good question. And then again, it, it depends on your sleep. You know, um, if if you are if you're a single person and you you have um, you know no one there no animals or anything like that or noise and you get a full eight hours of sleep it's going to be totally different than um, you know if you have kids or, or whatever waking you up but just some basic things that I like to um, that I suggest people do is consider the time that you wake up um, I, I prefer waking up in the, what's called the ambrosial hours which are like between four and six a.m. Um, so whether that's 4.30 or 5 a.m. Um, and the reason I like to wake up during those hours is because that, at that time of the day, that is when sort of the air is at its thinnest and, you know, the, the energy in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the area is kind of calm. Um, this is when um, you are more connected to, to consciousness if you're, if you're a, a meditator and a yogi and understand what that means. These are times of the day when our body is sort of really connected with, with, our, with our spirit. Um, and so some of the things that I do in the morning um, specifically are when I, when I do wake up, right when I wake up in the morning, I'm very mindful of my breathing. I'm very mindful of how relaxed my body is and how lightly I am breathing. Um, this is this state is a similar state to really being in a deep meditation. Um, it's the in-between the, the unconscious, which is when you're sleeping, and you're, you're conscious when you're awake. So you're kind of in a semi-conscious state. So for me, this is a great time to kind of check in with your body, see how you're feeling. Also, give a lot of gratitude for waking up. Um, really, you know, just giving gratitude, um, giving thanks, uh, you know, setting your intentions for the day, setting your intentions for how you want to get out of bed can go a long way in how you actually get out of bed. So first thing is practicing those breathing exercises. Um, then it's, um, you know, hitting the ground, kind of, uh, you know, um, straightening up my bed. You know, I, I like to straighten the bed because that gives, that's another sense of control. That's another sense of uh, certainty. When you make your bed, you're, you know, you're kind of preparing for, for a place when the day is done. Um, and, then, and then from there, I usually get up, and um, this is where the routine can change. So between having tea, um, practicing yoga, meditating, and taking a shower, those, those can all be changed at, at any time, whether it's a Monday or a Tuesday. But generally what I like to do and what I've lately been doing is, is getting up, um, practicing a little bit of yoga, just stretching because stretching in the morning is key for kind of getting the body flowing, um, getting the blood, getting the blood moving through the body, waking up all the different organs, um, and sort of waking you up for the day. Um, then it's I'll usually you know take my shower and then um, I'll make my tea. I'll go out and sit outside and have my tea and practice my breathing exercises. 
Um, for me, meditating is really about the breathing exercises that I practice because I find that um, by focusing on breathing, I'm able to get into a meditative state um, faster and, and more deeply. And so I'll sit out there and, and usually between my, my stretching and yoga, my tea, my getting ready and my uh, meditating, it's about an hour. And so um, if I have a deadline or I have something to do at 7 a.m. or if, if, if my kids are over and I, and, and I have to wake them up at 7 a.m. or, or whatever, whatever, if there's a deadline at 7 a.m., then I'll make sure to wake up at least an hour before. So if, if there's something that you have to do, if you have a responsibility, I always advise giving at least yourself an hour um, not including if you're some, some people take longer to get ready, obviously, but, you know, 45 minutes for yourself, you know, that, that's so important that I think that people do. The other thing that I don't do is I don't check my phone first thing in the morning. Um, when you wake up in the morning, it's just you, your thoughts are whatever you were sleeping with. So when you wake up, whatever you were dreaming about, whatever you went to sleep with the night before, that's the thoughts that you wake up with. Once you're, once you're there, once you wake up, once you've sort of done your breathing, you've given thanks, you've set your intentions, now the only voice in your head or, or you try to do is yours, and that's where you're kind of focused on your own needs. Once you read a news article, once you read a text message, once you read your emails, you are now responding to what you just saw rather than focusing on your own self and setting your own intentions for the day. And sometimes that message that you receive may not, it may start the day with a sort of stressful reaction and throw you off and, and it will sidetrack you from stretching or meditating or caring for yourself. So, you know, focusing on, 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 on yourself, focusing on myself, this is what I try and do before I get to the responsibilities outside of me, let's say. That makes a lot of sense. You know, this could be a two-hour show, David, because what you're saying, I believe, personally, is so relatable to everyone that is listening. We may have some habits that might, we may want to reconsider, the telephone being one of them. It's funny you mentioned your, your bed and waking up in the morning and, and having gratitude. I, I can't get out of my bed without making my bed right right then. I, that's <laughs> yeah. just orderly for me. And I, I related mm-hmm. to that when you said that. I wanted to, you mentioned tea, and I know we're going to be talking about that. But mm. one thing I wanted to ask you kind of briefly is um, the, our metabolism. Is there a time of day that our metabolism is stronger than others? You know, the metabolism, that's an important question because – once we reach a certain age, the metabolism starts to go down. Once we reach 20, you know, from that point on, um, we metabolize food, we metabolize all information. Um, so if the metabolism has slowed down, then every sense is going to metabolize whatever it's, it's, it's giving us in a slower method. Um, so it, it goes throughout the day. The morning is a, is a really good time to fire up that metabolism because that's going to sort of set the tone for your metabolism the rest of the day. Um, I, I always say tea because throughout the night, your liver, your stomach, your, your intestines, they're kind of 
dormant. They're, 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 they're acting, they're digesting, but they kind of, they also rest. And so the morning time, you really want to fire up your digestive system, your physical digestive system. So your, your intestines and your liver and your stomach, as I said, but by doing that, you're also metabolizing, you're also warming up and establishing the rest of your body is sort of ready to go. Um, so I always suggest that tea in the morning is, is really good to sort of fire up those um, internal organs. Um, and also during, if you're, if you're doing meditation or you're practicing yoga, incorporating the breath of fire, which is sort of fast breathing um, to, your, to your lower lung area in order to fire up that metabolism. So definitely, um, you know, warming up the body first thing in the, mor- in the morning is important so that whatever you eat, whatever you read, whatever you hear, you're able to take it in, digest it, and then move on. And that'll allow you to kind of stay a little bit lighter throughout the day. Well, that's 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 really important to know, and I know a lot of. I mean, like I said, I I've started doing yoga specifically because of your recommendation, and just that calm breathing that that you know that you're talking about. Um, and I I would have never you you taught me something new here that I would have never thought of thought about because we both know that words really are important to both of us. And when you said we metabolize everything, not just food, that we metabolize information, I would have never connected those two, David. So that's that's a pearl of wisdom that that you've shared with me today that I wouldn't have that I wouldn't have thought about. And we've talked about breathing, and we've talked about the tea, but then what? Mm-hmm. Then, then what's the next part of the routine? Well, you know, there's a saying: breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and you know that. You know, all meals are important because that's what we need. So, so food, uh, you know, is extremely important. Um, just in, in some of my, in, in another sort of hobby that has become habit over these last um, several months, I've really learned a lot about um, food pairing and timing of food. So uh, what, I've, what, I've, what I recognize is that, you know, fruit is, I love fruit. I've always grown up loving fruit and I could eat fruit all throughout the day. Um, and then recently I, I, I recognized that fruit is the fastest thing to digest. It's, it's just raw. We eat an apple. We just eat a pear. We eat, you know, grapes or, or blueberries. And so those pass through our system pretty quickly. And so I try and eat fruit first thing in the morning um, and then not again for the rest of the day. So I try and eat my fruit. Um, maybe I'll have like a um, I sort of given up, not given up, but definitely limited my meat intake to, to very to very rarely eating meat. Um, so I focus on dairy, and so what I do is I try and get a protein shake, a, a plant protein shake, um, with my fruit, and I find that um, digesting that is much easier. So it, it kind of goes in and out, um, and the key is you know you want to take take in food, get the nutrients, and then get rid of them. Um, that's kind of the process. So for me, after I'm done eating, drinking tea and sort of doing my um, morning routine, when it is time to have my first bite of real food, uh, I definitely try and have it be fruit just to get the, the, the healthy sugars and the nutrients that I need, vitamin C, things that are going to give me energy um, through the day. That's interesting. And, you know, some people don't eat breakfast. And I'm just mm-hmm. curious – 
I mean, I understand you're not a medical doctor here, so I understand yeah. that going into this question. But do you mm-hmm. think that that's a, a good thing or a bad thing as we're talking about metabolism and healthy lifestyles? Right, right. So it depends on the intention. It depends on the intention of why you're missing breakfast. So a lot. So for, in my case, I'll have the fruit and my protein shake, you know, um, early on, and then I'll wait a little bit, and then I'll have maybe a couple hours later, I'll have some cereal with some almond milk, let's say, or a piece of toast with some with some sun butter or almond butter, something like that, with my coffee. Um, but so I sort of space my breakfast out. Not eating breakfast, it depends on the intention. So some people like to fast in the morning for spiritual reasons because they um, feel like it helps them keep their weight down or simply because they're not hungry. If, if, if not eating in the morning is because you're running late, um, that, then I would say, well, maybe, you know, adjust the, the wake-up time to, to include, you know, a little bit of food. Because what we eat in the morning can really affect our moods shortly thereafter. So if, if, you, if you are mindful of why you are choosing to skip breakfast, then, then great. But the question is, what's the first thing you eat once you break that fast? So if you don't eat breakfast until 10 a.m. and then you break that fast with, I don't know, a cheeseburger, you know, then, you know, then you've kind of, what's the point of the fast? You know, was it, was it something, well, maybe there's something underlying that's got nothing to do with the fast. But if, if you're mindful, you, you don't want to eat breakfast right away, but then 10, 10.30 comes around and you have, you know, some yogurt granola or something healthy, some fruit, then, then fine. It's all about, it's really all about listening to the body and what the body needs. Um, mm-hmm. Breakfast, the word breakfast is break fast. So it's to break the fast of the eight or nine to 10 hours or 12 hours, however long it was you ate before. So in breaking that fast, you know, it's important definitely to get protein because that's something that will um, sort of help you feel full and give you energy. Um, and then, of course, um, vitamins and nutrients. So, um, you know, fruit is obviously is a great one because there's a lot of vitamins in there and it's a lot of water. So it's going to be very hydrating. Um, and then certainly, you know, coffee, I, I'm a big coffee drinker, but, you know, it, it, I would say that some people only drink coffee in the morning and don't eat food. That's also not, not really a great idea just because of the acid that's in coffee. So, you know, if you are a coffee drinker, definitely, you know, having something in your stomach to kind of help digest that is good. If you're mindful and you don't want to eat breakfast because you're just not hungry, you know, that's fine. Um, but the, the key ingredient, the key to, to, to a successful fast in the morning is what you eat after the fast. Um, that, that will go a long way in sort of a, developing a, a routine for yourself that's helpful. Let's, let's talk about during the day. Because after we talk about during the day, then I really want to know about mm. the evening. So can you tell me briefly about routines during the day? Yeah. You know, during, during the day really is going to change for everybody. And most likely it's going to change every single day um, because of our mood, because of the weather. I mean, the weather can affect your routine. Um, if you have a, a significant other or you have children, that's going to affect your routine. If you're working on a certain project at work um, or you're traveling for work, that's going to be a routine. So every, every day is different. The key really for routines to really 
um, that you want to focus on, that the, the, the routines that we can control really are the morning routines and the evening routines. So during the day, um, it's important to be flexible with your routines. So if you, if every day after lunch or before lunch or whatever, you try and practice meditating, if you're not able to get that, med- that five minutes of breath work or five minutes of, of just some stretching or taking a walk or outside, if you can't get it in directly before lunch or directly after lunch, find another time in the day to get it done. So that's where the kind of the idea where the goal of the routine is a little bit different than the intention. If the goal is to, to do your walk before or after every time you have lunch, you may miss that goal. So don't get too caught up in the goal and really focus on the intention. And the intention says, at some point in the day, I want to go for a 10-minute walk. And I can do that before lunch, after lunch. I can do it in the middle of the day or whenever. So every day is different. The key for a good day routine or habits is to be flexible with them um, and, and really focus on the intention behind the routine. Sounds great. So now we've gotten through the morning. We've gotten through the day being flexible, as you mentioned. Now let's talk about the evening routines and what are some of the nighttime routines that you suggest to your clients? Yeah. So, you know, goals and intentions so, and relationships or, or single or with children um, and what the body is telling us. Those are the things that I think are really key for setting up an, a good nighttime routine. The purpose of nighttime is to sleep. Um, it's to let our bodies rest. It's to let our bodies recover. And so we want to make sure it's ideal if we can um, get an ideal amount of sleep and a good sound sleep. And so an intention for a nighttime routine is really to prepare for, to have that good nighttime um, sleep. Just like the morning routine is you put it in place so that you can start your day and set your intentions to have a great day. Your nighttime routine is going to be one where you're going to want to have a good night's sleep. Um, most routines that people know are brushing your teeth, brushing and flossing. These are, these are routines that are sort of taught to us at early ages. But, um, you know, other routines and, that, and brushing your teeth and flossing helps you protect your teeth. That helps you, um, you know, so during the night your, your teeth are not uh, rotting. Um, and so that's why it's an important routine. But simply just getting a good night of sleep is so important. So some of the things that I talk about, are number one is eating. So don't don't eat too close to bed. I always say that, um, and and there are um, studies that show eating before seven p.m. is much more beneficial for the body. Eating three hours before you go to bed is really going to help you digest whatever it is you ate um, and allow your body to sort of relax and not spend energy or at least access energy. Um, digesting. So therefore, you can kind of turn your body off in some regard. So definitely trying to avoid eating after seven, trying to avoid eating foods that are going to be a little bit harder to digest um, at night are important. Um, You know, drinking, people are going to have a glass of wine. You know, if you can stop the drinking well before you're going to go to bed, that's going to help your sleep. Um, But again, it all depends on who you're with and your, your situation. Um, some of the, some of the main things though are listening to your body and, um, being attentive to your body. So 
like in the mornings, stretching is a huge, uh, very important aspect of a nightly routine that I suggest to my students. Um, after a long day, especially some people work on their feet um, or some people perhaps sit at a desk all day, their back or their leg or their hips may be sort of sore. So you don't want to go to bed with sore hips or a sore back or sore legs because while the sleep will heal you some, you're still going to wake up stiff. And I can tell you from personal experience that if you go to bed stiff, you're going to wake up stiff. I mean, that's been my whole life, you know, my whole career. So I've, I've learned that by stretching before I go to bed, I'm first of all sort of allowing energy and blood healing energy to flow through my body during the nighttime, allowing my body to heal and recover so that when I wake up, I'm a little bit less stiff and I, I feel more uh, flexible in the morning. So I, I, I'm a big fan of the foam roller. So the foam roller, um, depending on my level of activity, the foam roller is going to sort of roll out my, my legs, my, my, my hamstrings and my, my quads and my calves. Uh, I'm also a big fan of, of um, self uh, reflexology. So massaging, massaging the feet before you go to bed and sort of stretching your toes out is very important. Um, throughout the day, all of the blood uh, goes to our feet. We're wearing our shoes all day long, and so our feet can sort of become constricted and stiff throughout the day. And um, that's the first thing that hits the ground in the morning. So, you know, again, that's sort of setting the intention for the day is how do your feet hit the ground? So by going to bed, I, I say that it's important to sort of give your feet a good massage. Um, or if you're lucky to have somebody to do it for you, then <laughs> great. But if not, then, you know, do it yourself. Get yourself a lacrosse ball, rub, the, rub your feet out. Those are pretty important. Um, and, then, and then breathing. So once, once you do get in bed, once it's time to go to bed, practicing your breathing. So now it's the, it's the, it's the minutes. And by the way, turning off the phone 30 minutes to an hour before you go to bed is key. No emails, no social media. That last 45 minutes to an hour, that is just for you. That is for you to prepare yourself to get a good night's sleep. So once you've done your routine and you're in bed, um, I talk about um, doing the same breathing exercises that you did in the morning when you first wake up. So the way you woke up when you were kind of mindful of your body, mindful of your breathing, it's the same, it's the same routine at night. So now you're trying to slow your breathing down. You're mindfully trying to slow your heart rate down. You're mindfully scanning your body for any aches and pains that you may have. Um, and you're also mindfully giving gratitude for the day. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe when you first get into bed, you want to do a recap of your day. So you get it out of the way. Um, the key really is not to think about the next day. Once you have recapped your, your day, once you've recapped what you've done during the day, then it's time to let it go. So once you've recaptured your day, you let it go and you focus on your breathing. This is a great opportunity to develop the practice of setting your breath as the anchor because assured your, your mind will start to think about the next day, tomorrow. What do I have to do tomorrow? That's going to sort of cause anxiety, which is not going to allow you to get a great night's sleep. So if you've been practicing the breathing exercises, once you recognize you're thinking about tomorrow, bring your, your, your mind back to the breath. 
and slowing the breathing down, targeting your breathing to your lower lung where you have more parasympathetic nerves and focusing on slowing your heart rate down. By doing that, you're, you're calming the body and you're preparing it to have a good night's sleep. You know, Dave, it's, it's really interesting because we both uh, know a little bit about yoga. You obviously as a yogi know a whole lot more than I do, but I know that but one of the things that my yoga instructor says every week is no judgment. And it's it's interesting listening to your suggestions and recognizing how many of these habits are habits that I am doing that you are suggesting might be something worth reconsidering. For instance, if I really want to know what my plan is for tomorrow, then do it two hours before I'm ready to settle mm-hmm. down and then not think about mm-hmm. it. Do do the recapping, but I'll go from recap to, okay, now what's on, what, okay, what day is tomorrow? Oh, yeah, tomorrow is, tomorrow is Friday. What do I do on Friday? Wait, no, tomorrow's not Friday. Tomorrow's Thursday. All right, what do I do on Thursday? And then I'm, I'm all wound up again. And, and, you're, and mm-hmm. what you're saying is how is that useful and getting you ready for a good night's sleep. You want to be able to feel as relaxed as possible. And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, as people are listening to what you're saying, I'm sure everybody is taking their own temperature about how it is they do what they do. And you're not telling people what they need to do. You are telling people what you do. And for people that, that, that want to visit you and your art of self-regulation, which I would like to just tell people, the website is that simple, artofselfregulation.com. Don't put the word the there. There's no the in this um, uh, website. It's just artofselfregulation.com. And you can learn more about David um, there as well. And I know that in the time we have left, I I know we've been talking a lot about routines, and frankly, Mm -hmm. it's really important right now because so many of us have had our routines upended. But that doesn't mean we can't start new ones because we've been forced to do so in many ways. I know that besides your morning and evening routines, a very important part of your existence is nutrition. And I would just like to know, what are some of the main aspects of nutrition that you feel really benefit your clients? So, you know, I, I think that nutrition, again, um, it, there is an intention and a goal there. So some, sometimes if may, maybe someone's going to think that they need to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner just because they have to and anything will do, but, you know, sometimes and most of the time, what, what we eat is important. So um, in fitting nutrition into routines, considering that we are where we are in this, in this pandemic, most people these days, or at least a lot of people, have begun cooking. And that's fantastic. So mm-hmm. some of the main aspects that, that I have I've learned about nutrition are that um, that can become a whole routine in itself. So the, 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 the purchasing of food, the preparation of food, um, and then, of course, the eating of food. So definitely understanding the difference between intention and goals when it comes to eating are some things that I, I really like people to think about. Um, food, water, and breathing are the main things that we humans need. 
through through sports we we're taught that our body is our tool it's our temple or our church you know our mosque this is where we live this is our sanctuary um and uh we need it to perform at a high level and off the court we just need it to to live you can't live without your body and how you treat it is is important so um some of the main aspects about nutrition our understanding about uh, forgiveness and permission. So I'm a big, a big believer in forgiveness, forgiving others and also forgiving yourself. Um, I know there have been times in the past and to this day, um, I have, I have overeaten at times. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll make some lentil soup and some, some rice and salad or whatever. And I love it so much and it tastes so good. And I'm so excited to eat it that I'll overeat it. Um, and I know I've done it. I, I can feel it. My body's telling me, and I just forgive myself for doing that. So forgiveness is important. Forgiveness of eating something that maybe you, you didn't want to eat. Once you've eaten it, it's too late. You can't take it back. So you might as well forgive yourself. And then the other side of it is giving yourself permission. I'm a big chocolate lover. I don't want to deny myself chocolate because then I would just feel bad. So I give myself permission to eat it moderately. And by giving myself permission to do something, it I don't produce any guilt. It's, it's when, I, when I don't give my permission, myself permission to do something, that guilt may arise. And in that case, I forgive myself. So understanding that it's really a cycle of permission and forgiveness are really important for, for nutrition. Um, listening to the body is really important. Um, I know that sometimes my kids would, they would want to eat um, just chicken and pasta one day and maybe a peanut butter jelly sandwich and that would be it. And then the next day they would be craving vegetables or they'd be craving fruit. So the body is going to let us know what we're missing um, if we're mindful of our body and what it's telling us. Um, in general, ha- maintaining a balanced diet um, will, will kind of keep you on balance and understanding that everybody needs different foods. Um, I, I, I love to think about food as medicine um, because it's something that um, we have access to. We always eat it. And depending on what, we're, what we are eating, it can act as medicine. I think of it more as a proactive form of medicine rather than a reactive. While you are sick, you know, sure, there are some foods that can help you get over sickness or, or some foods that are easier to eat while being sick. But in general, I like to think that food is the proactive medicine to prevent me from, from falling ill or something like that. Um, so it really, it really comes down to listening to the body, valuing food for what it is, which is medicine and fuel for our bodies, and then, of course, keep it simple. So I think for me, the best thing to do is choose you know, foods with one ingredient, like broccoli. There's one ingredient. You can saute it. Once it's cooked, you can save it. Um, keep it simple, meaning um, don't, don't try and don't think that uh, every night you have to prepare some fancy meal. Um, you can saute one vegetable and completely change the whole flavor by adding different seasonings. So keeping your seasonings, keeping variety in your seasonings is important. But keep it simple. Um, I also think that it's, it's pretty a great idea as part of a routine to make double the amount of food for dinner so that way you have leftovers for lunch the next day. I know sometimes during the day people get busy and they may not have time to 
cook food or even go out to buy food because you know now we're, we all we all there's not many places you can go buy food. So having food already prepared makes for a much easier time during the day. So um, preparing a double the portion for dinner so that you can save a portion of it. Just don't eat the, the whole double portion that night. That's something that I would do and and forget to save some for the next day. That's funny. Are there? You mentioned broccoli. Are there any other specific foods that you suggest eating every day that would be healthy for us? So, yeah. So what I what I like to do is when I when I take inventory of um, my week's food. So if I'm going to the market, I try and buy a week's worth of food at a time. That way, I, I don't need to go out because it's you know obviously with social distance and, and stay at home, it's just better to kind of try and stay home as much as possible. So taking inventory getting my shopping done one day of the week, I try and get at least um, one, one you know, thing of broccoli, carrots, beets, onions, mushrooms, kale, um, and, 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 and beans and spinach, tomatoes, seasonal fruits. Try and, try and eat one of these things every day. So maybe, maybe I'll get, you know, um, I'll have broccoli on one day with, with lentils and rice, but then the next day I'll have beets and onions and the next day I'll have mushrooms and the next day I'll have asparagus. So it's not necessarily eating the same thing every day, but trying to get at least a serving of, you know, a healthy vegetable every week, different type of vegetable is important because every vegetable is going to offer you a different um, nutrient. And so by varying up those vegetables throughout the week, you're going to kind of go get all of the nutrients that they're all going to have to offer. Some will overlap, which is great. But it, it's just kind of changing things up every day. Um, you know, there's if, – I know some people that eat broccoli every single day because they love it. That's fine. You know, that's totally fine. Broccoli is great. But I think it's great to diversify um, the colors and, and nutrients that you're receiving. So that's kind of – it. Again, it's more about an intention rather than a goal. You know, the goal is you want to make sure you eat specific vegetables every day, but the intention is why, because you want to get those healthy nutrients. So varying it up are, are, is important. Um, well, the other I, thing, it, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish that thought. Well, I was going to say that, yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, another thing about, you know, foods is, as I was mentioning earlier quickly, was the spices. So, if there right. were, if there, if, if somebody was to get into um, cooking for themselves, making sure to use things like turmeric um, and garlic and Himalayan salt as opposed to regular table salt. By by incorporating, you can put turmeric, garlic, and pepper and Himalayan pink salt on any of the vegetables that I talked about, and it's going to give them a great flavor. The most important thing is that you're getting in, especially the turmeric, because turmeric is a great anti-inflammatory. And anti-inflammatory is a major cause of illness. Um, COVID causes inflammation in the lungs. So by eating more turmeric throughout the day, um, whether it's a supplement, whether it's a tincture, whether it's tea, or in, in the case of cooking, um, it could be a spice, you're really giving your body um, nutrients that it needs to help with, with uh, healing. Well, that makes that makes sense, Dave. Now, it sort of sounds as though you might have, I don't want to say a vegetarian diet, but it sounds like for the most part you do. So how do you get your protein and your carbohydrates? Yeah, you know, so I, I, I grew up eating meat 
pretty much most nights, chicken, steak, uh, like a lot of American family. For me, I think it was about a year ago when um, I read a little bit more about um, digestion. I really got into the kind of gut-brain connection and, you know, recognized that, um, you know, meat is a little bit harder for the body to digest. And I, I, what my goal was was to make my digestion a little bit more efficient and so by reducing my meat intake, that's what I've been able to do. Um, I'll have chicken or, or some fish every now and then, maybe once a month, just because I enjoy it. It's a good flavor. And I also don't necessarily want my body to get so um, unfamiliar with meat that it, 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 becomes an, it never is an option for me. Um, so I try and keep my body just to so it remembers. So I do eat meat every now and then. But things like peas... Um, pea protein shakes is what I take in the morning, broccoli, kale, uh, black beans, kidney beans. Um, these are all great sources of protein. The other thing that's, a, that's, that's very important is, is getting, a, getting a, a serving of, of nuts, such as almonds, cashews, or pumpkin seeds. And I mentioned almonds, cashews, and pumpkin seeds because those are the most alkaline-forming seeds. They also have a lot of protein. And they also very helpful in reducing inflammation in the body. So having a serving of almonds and a serving of, of, of pumpkin seeds a day to go along with, you know, the regular vegetables and perhaps a protein shake, those are going to be great sources of, of protein throughout the day. If one does want to eat protein, you know, eating it at the end of the day, you know, around 6 p.m. is, is, is best. Eating your protein at the end of the day is a little bit better because it, it doesn't digest as quickly as fruit and vegetables. So you want to eat the foods that, that process and digest quickly um, so that they can exit the body quicker than if you eat meat. So, you know, definitely trying to supplement with specific vegetables is important. If you do eat meat, just moderation like anything else. Right. I just I got to touch on one more thing because I knew this hour would absolutely fly by. You had mentioned at the, at the beginning of the show talking about herbs and things like that, and you also um, are into essential oils, and, and you have actually helped me to appreciate essential oils as well. I now have a diffuser going off in my office right now as we're speaking, and yeah. it's been really lovely to have the smell of eucalyptus or the smell of peppermint and those things can really affect us as well can't they absolutely so i i i i've, I've become a really big fan of essential oils um for for many reasons one is they they smell good they're 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 pleasant to the nose and and it's a good good to to affect your 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 sense of smell also they're very healing um for me, I, I'm an asthma sufferer. I don't suffer from it, but I do have asthma. And so for me, protecting my respiratory system is very important to me. Um, some of the main ones that I suggest are eucalyptus, number one, is great for people with asthma. Um, it's also very uplifting, and it just kind of clears the nasal passages. Um, another one that is really good for asthma sufferers is thyme. So thyme is a really good... Um, respiratory uh, healing essential oil. Other ones are um, frankincense and lavender. So those are my, and peppermint. Those are my top five, peppermint, eucalyptus, lavender, frankincense, and thyme. 
Frankincense is a great anti-inflammatory. Lavender is a great anti-inflammatory and very relaxing. Peppermint is really good for just opening up the nasal passages and respiratory system and providing great energy. The oils are great to use at any time of day. Put a little bit on your wrists, rub them together, take a smell, breathe it in, and be mindful of how your body feels. You could even go so far as to say that you know, if you're really mindful and you close your eyes and you breathe in, you may have a different vision in your, in your, in your mind's eye with each of these different smells. So just being aware of that is really neat, but also keeping them nearby is important and helpful for our health. And the, the, I guess the last thing I want to ask you about as we close out this um, hour, we've talked about tea um, a few times during the show today. If I said to you, you could only drink one tea, you could only have like your favorite tea, what tea would mm-hmm. you choose to drink? I think I would choose, I would choose green tea. Well, I would choose green tea. Um, I, have, I have several favorites, but green tea sort of is the all-around tea. So it provides uh, warming. Uh, it provides warmth for the uh, digestive system, which warms the body up. It helps with digestion. Um, it's got a lot of, it's got vitamin C, so it's strengthening the immune system. Um, it is uh, probably one of the easier ones to find. It tastes great with lemon or honey. Um, and green tea is my all-around go-to tea. Oh, that's good to know. Well, Dave, you, you've definitely give us, given us a lot to think about. I'm saying that mm-hmm. globally, but personally you've given me things to think about i believe that on your website people can get in touch with you if they have any yeah. questions you have you have a great website and you're easy to to find uh if you are a sports fan like me and you type in dave's name you um <laughs> will also learn about a lot about him he spells his last name b l u and um just as a side note I went to the same high school that David also played basketball at, and my kids also went to that high school, and I started following Dave as a basketball player when he was still in high school and I was working at the YMCA. So we have known each other a very, very long time, and I have followed his career. I remember when he played at USC, and I just haven't met too many people in my life that have had the impact on my life that David Blue has had. And that's just, I'm sorry if that sounds emotional, but given the times we're living in, there are people that walk into your lives that you don't necessarily know are going to walk in. And um, David has certainly been that person in my life, in the life of my family, and we have a very strong bond, and I can always count on him. And you can too. I don't want you to think that he just is here to help me because if you have questions, <laughs> this is a man, right? This is a man that would yeah. be willing to help you as well. He's just that kind of human being. And I have learned so many glossary terms just by <laughs> hanging, hanging around Dave and understanding the terms of, of glossaries. We, we are people, we're humans. <laughs> And I'll just I'll just leave it at that because I yeah. know that. 
So I hope you've all really enjoyed the lessons today that we've had. I, I thank you once again. The door is always open for you to and just thank you, Dave, so much for, for joining me today. This has been a, a supreme pleasure. Thanks, Marcia. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good week. Bye for now. <laughs>